New Thought Guy. Three, two, one. <clears throat> In The Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy was trying to decide which way to go at a crossroads, she was at this crossroads on the yellow brick road, and she turned to Toto and said, now which way do we go? And in the field, as you probably know, there was a scarecrow, and uh, he answered her query for her by pointing one way and saying, uh, pardon me, that way is a very nice way. And later, he pointed the other way and said, it's pleasant down that way too, talking about the two roads. And a few seconds after that, pointing both ways, he informed Dorothy and Toto too. Of course, people do go both ways. That's the trouble. I can't make up my mind. I haven't got a brain, only straw, the scarecrow said. Well, of course, we know that wasn't true. The scarecrow did have indeed a brain, more than what we saw, which was straw. Because as the story goes, especially in the books, uh, the, the Scarecrow was actually very wise, very clever, very smart, got them all, even when the lion and the tin man uh, showed up, got them all out of terrible scrapes and scraps um, during their trip to, to see the wizard. And I wanted to make sure everybody remembered, so were you. No matter what your education is, no matter how you were brought up, you indeed have a brain, you indeed have a mind, and nothing can take that away. Like Meister Eckhart wrote, and it's here on, the, um, on our vision statement, at least uh, part of the statement he wrote, it's out of one of his uh, sermons, actually. He wrote, <clears throat> the eye through which, <clears throat> excuse me, the eye through which I see God is the same eye through which God sees me. But then he continues with my eye and God's eye are one eye, one seeing, one knowing, one love. Let me repeat that second part of the statement. My eye and God's eye are one eye, one seeing, one knowing, one love. So my whole talk today is about <clears throat> which way are you aiming God to see? Which way are, are, are any of us aiming God? Because, you know, when we, when in our thoughts and feelings, in our imagination, in our prayers, in our meditations, we're, we're aiming God towards something. We're aiming the universe. We're aiming that divine intelligence toward something. So what is it we're aiming it toward? The divine is always working in our favor, but we don't always work in our favor. I don't always work in my own favor sometimes. And it's our ability to realize when that's happening and what to do and how to re-aim that energy. It's all in our hands. It's all in our hands where we hold the, the bow, the handle, the heartstrings, how we aim this instrument that we have to manifest. 
and that is our conscious thoughts and beliefs. It's in our hands where we aim those conscious thoughts and beliefs and the feelings behind it because the feelings behind it is what creates the possibilities or creates the connection to the infinite possibilities there are in the universe for us to have life experiences. Is our aim sharp or clear or is it bogged down from old stories, from victim, victimhood or from self-righteousness even? All that stuff can bog us down, slows down our manifestation. Um, not our powers, but our aim. Because it's our aim that the universe is looking at. Either way, we have control over that part of the aiming process. I want to tell you a story. There are these two traveling monks. And they came upon a young woman who was waiting to step out of her sedan chair. And the rains, there had been a lot of rains and there was puddles everywhere. And she couldn't step across uh, this puddle without spoiling her silken robes. So she just stood there looking cross and impatient and scolded her uh, attendants who weren't helping much either. See, they had nowhere to place the packages they held for her, so they couldn't help her cross the puddle. So they were just like, well, we don't know what to do or how to help you. So the younger monk noticed this woman in her, in her need and said nothing and just walked by. But the older monk, he quickly picked her up and put her on his back and transported her across the, the puddle and put her down on the other side. And she just kept walking. She didn't thank the older monk. She just kind of shoved him out of the way and, and took off. Now, as they continued on their way, the young monk, the young monk was pissed off, really. He was, it says here he was brooding and preoccupied, but he was more than that. And several hours passed on their journey, and he just couldn't hold, he just couldn't hold it in anymore. He had to speak out, he had to react to what he had witnessed. And he said that woman back there was very selfish and and rude and and you just picked her up on your back and you carried her across and she didn't even thank you and she just didn't even acknowledge you and the older monk looked at him for a moment and he said well, huh I, I set that woman down hours ago why are you still carrying her so the point is that we carry so much weight, especially as the years go by. We carry so much weight in, in these stories that we, we hold on to. And we all, all God's children got stories. We all got stories. Good stories, fantastic stories, bad stories, maybe more bad and traumatic stories, some people. So what's yours? What's mine? Now... Uh, I want to ask you, who has gripes? Anybody have gripes here? Anybody have disappointments here out there? Any of you have disappointments or any of you have any um, what ifs going on in your mind? Oh, <laughs> there's a big, big hump 
in the back there. Um, who here has some bitterness or is holding a grudge? Anybody? Anybody holding a grudge? Why? Why do we do that? Do we want to be right or do we want to be free? Do we want to be right or do we want to win? Which is two different things many times. Do we want to be right or do we want to be happy? And they don't necessarily go together. So much energy is used being right and righteous attached to the problem, the conflict, the memory, the, the, and the supposed solution. We all have this solution that we make up that uh, many times involve the other person who we have no control over or the company which we have no control over. And um, we do that instead of simply and elegantly know that our conscious choice of letting go is really our power. Letting can go control of others, letting go control of the outcomes that showed up. It's from this moment on, that's what we have control over. Osho said, all duality is a mind creation. All duality is created by clinging an attached mind. When there is no attachment, there is no duality. When we are attached to the bad news, the negative um, condition, the negative occurrence or experience, when we stay attached to that, then we stay attached to that. And we are more than likely not going to move forward, at least not very fast. We want to make sure that we aim God with a clear heart. And to clear that heart, we need to clear those stories from our conscious use of them. Because as we clear them from the conscious use of them, then we clear them from the subconscious, um, not the subconscious use, but the subconscious rambling of them. You know, in the subconscious, it stays attached. And one way to do this is to let God in more deeply, to be still and know that the divine is within, ready to be revealed, ready to be heard, as well as ready to listen. And saying and thinking and even affirming is not enough. We are called to live this. We are called to live this every day, this teaching, this these, these affirmative incantations, the affirmative prayers or spiritual mind treatments or meditations, the spiritual practice, we, we don't just do them. We live them. That's why there's, I do it relatively quickly, but that's why there's a preparation. That's why I step into sacred space for, for eight to 10 minutes um, every Sunday in, in our service. Most places do it before the service because in order to really hear and absorb this information in these tools, et cetera, et cetera, we need to be centered and open to listen and to absorb it. Even if it's just one of the things that we talk about on a Sunday morning or that's in the um, information or the affirmation, 
even if it's just one of those sentences, that's enough to move forward, to aim God our way. In golf, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, in, our, in my research, for, I don't remember what I was looking for, but this golf article popped up, and I don't play golf, so I don't understand why this article popped up, but it had some information that works good to what I'm talking about. In golf, before you put the ball on the tee, not to mention before you even swing the club, of course, you prep, right? So you, you take time to check the wind, right? Check the course design, because every course is different. So you, you need to look to see where the hills are and how the, the angle of the hills, you know, you don't just put the ball down and swing it towards where you know the, the hole is, because there's things, there's conditions, there's people, there's situations that are maybe in the way. And you also want to um, consider your personal swing characteristics. So some people may swing and they it goes to the right a little more, so you need to mentally compensate so that you hit it a little more to the left, so then it becomes centered. So in that case, you understand the way you think. We're going to turn this into manifest manifesting tools. You know the way you think. You know uh, the old stories that tend to pop up. So because you know that, then you can adjust how you pray, how you meditate, how you do your spiritual practice, so that when you manifest, you're aiming God and you're aiming the universe, you're aiming the law of cause and effect, the law of attraction, down the center of what it is you require in your life. I say here in manifesting before you step up to the platform to pray, meditate, treat, visualize, or, or even in a visioning situation, you get centered and grounded. That's one of the ways that you are getting ready to aim God in the center way with the most specific and clear way. We don't manifest through panic. We don't manifest through rushing. We don't manifest through anxiety unless we want to manifest anxiety or rushing or panic in our life. We manifest through calm knowing, faith in spirit, and intelligent revealing on a foundation of imagination and feeling the experience in play. As we feel the, now they, a lot of people call that visualizing, as you feel the experience in play, you're telling your body, and thus you're telling your brain, the brain doesn't know the difference between the actual occurrence and your imagination of the occurrence. You're training to your brain, and thus your mind, and thus your consciousness, and then, of course, your belief of how something's going to be and you're aiming God that way. You're aiming the power and the law that way. We want to aim God with a clear mind. So this week was Hanukkah, for those who didn't notice, the Festival of Lights. Um, the menorah lights, uh, you probably all know the menorahs is a, a candle, like candle abra, and um, a candle is lit every day for um, eight days. And uh, uh, Kwanzaa actually has a, a lighting 
uh, cer ceremony as well for, for that holiday. The menorah lights are a symbol of the miracle story of um, there was a big war and the war ended and the, the, uh, the Hebrews won this war and they wanted uh, the temple was destroyed and they wanted to rededicate the temple so they had enough oil to light the lamps for one day so that wasn't really great but they did what they could and a miracle happened and the the lamps stayed lit for 8 days so that's why the why Hanukkah is eight days. That's why it's the festival of lives. That's why they talk about the miracle. And a lot of times Hanukkah gets kind of sucked into the gift giving season, and and the spiritual meaning of it is lost. <clears throat> it's a little different when it's earlier because it's by the lunar calendar. When it's earlier in the in in December or <laughs> as this year it was late November, um, kind of keeps it a little bit of a part of the. Christmas season and all the gift giving and stuff, but it's part of it. But I want to get into the spiritual aspects of Hanukkah just a little bit. A rabbi once told me, we must listen carefully to what the candles are saying. Because the candles are representing the story. So what are the flickering flames telling us? So here's a few messages. One is a little light goes a long way. Like I said, the, there was enough oil for one day, and it lasted eight days. The Han Hanukkah candles are lit when dusk is falling. Commonly at sundown, you'd light the Hanukkah candles, and you do a prayer, and there's a whole meal that goes with it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So perched in the doorway is is the is the menorah, the candelabra, with one to eight candles plus the lighting candle, and that serves as a beacon from the darkening streets. And that also sanctifies that the love and the prayer and the con communion with the divine that has occurred in the lighting of these candles, they are transforming the darkness of life or any darkness that is in life to light. The darkness of those grudges we have, the grudges we've kept, the being rights, that we've held on to. It shines a light on that darkness so that we can step into forgiveness, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others, and have that be what is illuminated, not the grudges, not the gripes, not the I must be rights. The second idea is we take it to the streets. Hanukkah teaches us to shine outwards into our surroundings with the godly glow of mitzvahs. Now, mitzvahs are good deeds, giving a helping hand, um, where you share your lights. You share your light. Your light with the big L. Your light, your divine light, is what you're sharing with the world, proudly proclaiming your radiant uniqueness for all to see, your revelation of the divinity in you for all to see. That is also what those candles are representing. The third one I want to talk about is how these uh, candles represent revealing and rededicating not only the, the temple in the, in the ancient story of Hanukkah, but your best self. 
We are illuminating, we are rededicating the best self, our dedication to the godliness that is us, the divine that is within us. Like the Jews rededicated the temple when the war was won, we, read, we, we rededicate ourselves, that's hard to say, we rededicate ourselves to who and what we are. The unique, individualized personification of the divine presence that is everywhere and that we illuminate by and experiencing it in ourselves. We want to aim God with the light of the divine within. We want to let go and know that the divine intelligence flows through us as light, love, grace, beauty, power, joy, and wisdom. We want to let go and know that we're here and happy and whole and vibrant and creative no matter what's going on in life, no matter what's going on around us. We can be that. We can be that because we are aiming our power, our divine power, at that. We can let go and know that we have the power of decision at all times to live our lives free of past disappointments, present disappointments, judgments, grudges, worries, attachments, especially the one to being right. We can let go and know that the great I am that you are, that I am, that everyone here is, and aim God our way. Aim God your way, the way of health, the way of prosperity, the way of love, and the way of beauty, of creativity. Aim God your way, whatever that way you choose. Thanks so much. Namaste.